Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Greetings, everyone. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether you're joining us live or on our cards, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, so this is a redo of a Zohar and 15 True Study, Destination Unknown. Uh, last time I attempted to do this about 14, 15 minutes into the program, uh, it shut completely off. And I found out later, about 10 minutes before that, I wasn't even recording anymore. So we are here attempting to do this one one more time. Um, we're going to be reading out of Zohar, the English uh, version, Zohar, volume 16, portion Kedoshim, chapter 15, verses 93, 94, and 96. And you can find those on pages 62 through 64. There is a major difference between an teacher and an influencer. Um, there is tremendous amounts of information available online, social media, We've got all kinds of gurus and marketers and and how to work from home. And these influencers, they even track this kind of stuff. Uh, You know, online Google watches this, trending tweets. And these influencers' job is to do exactly what the word is. They're not trying to, you know, hide anything from you. They're trying to influence. They're trying to create this environment where something looks good, we want to buy it. Something sounds good, we want to have it. It's a practice that sounds like it would be encouraging. We want to do it. It's a place that sounds great. We want to go there. And one thing the influencers all have in in common is they have a wear or a product or a item that they're selling, but they're not the ones who are actually going to be there with you when it comes time to use it. Uh, there's a lot of different – and, again, influence can be a very positive thing too. They can help draw our attention to things that we need to address. Uh, equal rights, we need to talk about uh, discrimination, we need to talk about poverty, wage, uh, equality in wages, uh, uh, women's issues. There's a lot of things to talk about. But influencers just tend to make a lot of noise and say a lot of things, but they don't particularly do anything. They get the conversation started, and then they kind of just leave. Teachers are a person who's been taught, trained, and held accountable, finished their training in a specific tradition or discipline. In our case, we're talking about faith traditions. In the faith traditions, they have a verifiable, I don't even know if that's a word. No, verifiable is, and trackable, that's the one I don't know if it's really a word or not, past. And what has happened is a lot of influencers have come out in our faith groups and have created some directions of things that the faith groups and practices have gone off chasing 
at the same time, while they're chasing those things, they've left the core elements of what makes their faith practices so unique. Seven-year tribulation, for example. Then it wasn't even on the radar until 1830 when John Darby and Darbyism came on the scene. The rapture, American Puritans. You ever heard of a guy named Cotton Mather? Cotton Mather was one of the greatest influencers of his day. Uh, during the Salem Witch Trials, which he did not actually attend, he wrote a document, a short story, called The Return of the Several Ministers. And in that, he was talking to them, giving them advice how they could pry somebody and know if this person was actually a witch or not. Several of the things that he said, comments like, they'll be very convincing, they'll look very pure, they'll look, were taken to great lengths. We have prosperity doctrines, we have the name and claim it, we have the new thought movement in the 1800s, we have the Pentecostal healing revivals of, in 1950. By 19, middle of 1980s, we had worship wars, dress codes, pants on women, long hair on men, Patrick and SpongeBob are gay, age was God's judgment on homosexuals. These are all the distractions of the influencers. And by attacking all these things, these distractions, who benefited? I mean, how many more people have clean water now? How many more people have a place to live, a warm place to stay? How many people are above the poverty level? How many people have been helped in the way that Jesus outlined in Matthew chapter 25 in the Gospels, in his statement of how heaven and hell was going to be decided, how many of those people have been helped? Today's Christianity, sadly, only sees the world in a lost or, well, one situation. There's an us and there's a them. There's a saved and there's the unsaved. And typically what happens is it creates a divide between the two groups where one simply says, hey, we're the better of these two. The influencer will say in a situation, what can we do to win the world? I would question win them to what? What can we do to win the world? A teacher says, what can we do to better inform the world and give them the information that they need to make a real and lasting decision? I want to read you verse number 93. When he, talk about teaching, when he who toils in Torah does not do so in a pure or righteous way, that word rises up and turns off the path. Nothing joins to it. All push it out and flies around the world without finding a haven. Who caused this? The person who turned off from the straight path. As it is written, do not put a stumbling block before the blind. Meaning, do not place an obstacle before the words of Torah to animate from his mouth. For this reason, it is written, I will fear the Lord your God, the Elohim, I am Hashem. Many people are taking the words of Scripture the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament, however you identify with that. They're taking those words and they're turning off the path to make it a profit, to make it popular, to make it feel good. Apostle Paul told us in his early writings about church life, he said they'll heap themselves, interesting choice of words, they'll heap themselves on teachers with itching ears 
to hear something new, to hear something bombastic, to hear something fantastic, to hear something amazing. It was interesting that early on in Howard Stern's radio career, when they were doing the first set of polls from NBC, they were talking about how many people loved the show, how many people hated the show, and what was the number one reason they listened to it. People that loved the show said he was unique. He said these things nobody had ever heard before. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth. And the number one reason they listened to it was just to hear what he would say next. The people that hated the show said he was rude. He is, his ramblings were incoherent. He made no sense. He's just a slob. He's just a pig. He, he's just a loudmouth jerk. And the number one reason why they listened to him, they wanted to see what he was going to say next. And we have got pulpits full of people talking to entertain the people in front of them who are sitting there just waiting to hear what they're going to say next that have gotten far off the path. And they will be held accountable. I will be held accountable for the times we took Scripture and made Scripture something that worked for us and what we believe instead of allowing it to speak for itself. Our actions, good or evil, are almost always influenced by our intentions. And God measures the intentions of our heart. The Hebrew word is kavanah. Our, our, our verse uses an uh, interesting word, the word toil, to work hard at something, to, to strive at it, to get to know it. But when it's not done with pure intentions, when it's not done to teach and to lead, instead it's done to influence or redirect, the results are way off base. It's true you can do what you want to do, how you want to do it, but don't attribute that to New Testament grace. Oh, we're just New Testament grace. The words we speak, they take different paths. This is interesting. When we say things, not how it's received, but how we say things, it takes different paths based on the intent of our heart. This is a very serious part. Religion can take many different paths, and they're going to achieve many different results. Look at how many denominations we have. Look at how many different outcomes we have. And we've all gone off the path in one way or another. For example, Focusing on believing right things takes all precedent. This is it. When we say this is exactly the right thing, we are human beings. We are flawed. We are frail. We make mistakes. We misinterpret things. How many times have we had pastors, famous pastors, famous leaders, huge churches come back and say, yeah, I got that wrong. When we build programs, That's what we'll do. We're going to reach people through programs, segregating Sunday mornings even more. When we form like, kind, and quality groups, we'll just put all the people that feel this way, go stand over here. And what happens is we just keep dividing this and dividing it. When we campaign against certain forms of evil, those really unacceptable kinds of evil, instead of campaigning against starvation, low wages, World debt, poverty, suffering, sex trafficking, slavery. God forbid the day that we become teachers that stand in the gaps and say, this no longer can happen. We're going to teach, educate, and live our our Christian lives against racism. That's what we're going to do. We're no longer leaders in social justice and reform like we used to be. 
and we're giving a rather historically inaccurate portrayal of our faith, where our faith started from, how it, how it began. So we need to make sure that we don't talk ahead of the scriptures, that we stop putting stumbling blocks in front of people, choose us or be wrong approach. Verse number 94. And there's a situation of one who has the yearning to learn uh, uh, and toil in Torah, but he can't find anyone to teach him. Yet, with his love of Torah, again, just think of scriptures. With his love of Torah, he speaks of it and stammers with it, as, even though he doesn't know any better. Each word of his struggling, each word of his struggling, ascends to the Holy One, blessed be he, who rejoices with that word and receives it and plants it around the stream, making it grow. Making it grow. The Zohar tells us that there are people who are trained, they're influencers in Scripture, who have, don't have a fear of Elohim, they don't have a fear of God, and so they take their, the words and they turn them off the path, they make whatever outcome they want, they say whatever they want, they make all these things about it, they're using scriptures to beat people over the head, and those words are not received. But then the Zohar says, you get a guy who's just struggling with it, he can't find a teacher, but he just wants to learn more, so he's just out there trying it, he's He's stammering with it. He's, he's wrestling with it. He's working at it. When that word gets to Hashem, when it gets to God, God embraces that. What if you don't have a teacher or the ability to get a teacher? Well, you can begin to deploy several outlets that were not available until recently. But if you express love, if you express desire, if you're willing to toil and struggle with it, you will never be left alone by God. I like the word struggle and stammer. You know why I don't dance? You know why you don't ever see me dancing in public? I look silly. I look silly. I struggle with it. I stammer with it. I'm not a dancer. My boys are. My wife is. I'm not. I'm not a dancer. I just can't do it. I just look like I'm having some kind of physical ailment or a seizure or something. But even if my, but if my heart is pure and I want to teach and lead and guide, not influence somebody on a predetermined agenda. God takes my silly dance and rejoices with our heartfelt efforts. Your love, listen now carefully, your love for learning about God will be returned to you as love from God. Let me say that again. Your love for learning about God will be returned to you as love from God. People say, oh, I, I, want, I want to love God. I want to please God. And those are admirable things. Well, here's one way you can do it. Have a, a yearning, a struggle, stammer. Find a way. Learn about him. Read about him. And in return, you receive love from him. Verse 96 says this, and this is a great verse. With all this, one needs to learn Torah from all people, even from one who doesn't know, since through this he will be aroused in Torah and come to learn from someone who does know. Later it will turn out that he walked in Torah in a true way. Come and behold, a person should toil in Torah and precepts, even if not for its own sake, for studying it not for its own sake, will lead to studying it. 
for its own sake. That's a very famous rabbinical statement, by the way. Let me unpack that for a minute. We can learn so much from each other. As you know, I have done radio shows with um, uh, with famous ministers, famous Kabbalists, famous professors, famous authors, and a really cool disc golf atheist. And I've learned from every single one of them. I have one show I'm still trying to do. I'm trying to get him on the air. He's a graduate of Moody Bible Institute who later in life became an agnostic and wrote some of the most interesting and well-written books about New Testament history and canonization, Dr. Bart Ehrman. He said, why do you talk to these people? Why do you talk to these people? They are off the path. Well, all right, I can appreciate that, but I want to understand how they got there. I want to understand how they came to the conclusions they came to, how they learned what they learned so that I can learn from them because we can learn so much from each other. Our churches have become like, it's like sitting in front of people like a weekly movie. You go sit down, the screen goes dark, the movie comes on, you don't talk to each other, maybe, hey, pass me the popcorn, you watch the movie, you get out. I've always thought a movie is a lousy date. I always thought it was because I want to get to know this this person. I want to see who she is all about or or this person you're meeting, he is all about. And you can't do that when you're sitting in a dark movie theater and you're not supposed to talk. And that's what churches become. Leaders, followers, influencers, the influenced. We need teachers, students, relationships. Part of study isn't just the sake of study. It's learning how to apply it in our everyday practice. There's a lot of influencers out there. There's a lot of people with a lot of things to say, and there's important things to say. But at the same time, when we take a portion of Scripture and we turn it off the path, when it has an agenda, when it says our way is the correct way of interpreting this, your way cannot be, it no longer holds the value of Scripture. It no longer holds it. We need teachers, not influencers, not predetermined agendas of information, but a free-flowing, back-and-forth conversation that's organic, that's healthy, that's questioning, is giving people answers that they're looking for. True study is not a destination that we can say, here's where we will arrive. To me, that has been the greatest hamper of the power of Scripture is that everybody says, well, this is what the verse says. They've got a conclusion for it. They already know what it says, and we don't need to have a conversation on it. I disagree. We need to daily be having these conversations. The Apostle Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's work. It's toil. We go after it. We love it because we know it's going to draw us nearer to God. My name is David Fournier. Whether you joined us live or on archive, thank you so much for hanging out with us, and I will be back with another show. I'll also be looking forward to hearing from Rabbi Hilbrandt on his Torah Treasure series. Good night.